Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to the ninth edition of Splinters, the podcast show for the bench on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. This is the godfather, Anthony Caruso, and tonight it is time to bring on the beautiful game, the world game. It is football. We're going to be doing a full around the grounds of European football with recent round of matches during what is always the best time of year, Christmas and New Year's, every competition going nuts, wall-to-wall football. Uh, but I can't do this alone. I need to have one of the best minds, local minds in football. I'm bringing him in with us tonight. My my brother in Azzurri, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. Good evening, listeners. What a beautiful time of year it is. It's 2019. The football season's really now coming to the fora of its peak of its powers with plenty of European football ready to be getting straight back into action. And some of it's been through, through, gone through the Christmas period and developed plenty of action. But the first talking point I'd like to address, though, is your new nickname, Caruso. Where has that come from? I don't think anyone has ever referred to you as the Godfather. Tony started referring it to me. I don't know if that'll, ca- I don't know if that'll catch on with the rest of the boys. No, I'm not sure it will either. How about you, though? Do you, do you appreciate the, the nickname? I don't mind it. I think the problem I've got is the insinuation of my age now, uh, <laughs> which is the problem I've got is I haven't quite reached the Hulk Hogan level of losing my hair, as it were. But needless to say... You're Mediterranean. You shouldn't be losing your hair just yet. No, but what it is going is it is going great. Oh, well, that, in yeah, a big way. That's, that definitely happens. So, yeah, um, my my nonna who passed away years ago, he's hair grey as grey to be by the age of 45. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so I imagine I'll be getting on to um, just for men before you know. I'll be, actually, no, you I know what I'm saying? I haven't seen that before those big years. Uh, you, know what, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like, I think it's going to be like Fabrizio Ravanelli. You remember the days, the yes. Silver Fox. The Silver Fox. That would be a good name. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk football. Let's, let's get into the football. Now, now, as we know, since we already covered the English Premier League and our weekly show on Friday night. Um, we're going to cover other leagues that we don't normally get a chance to talk about. We're going to start off with um, one of a couple of leagues in England, so the Championship and Football League One. Now, often people don't talk a lot about the Football League Championship, but it is, they say, the hardest league to get out of. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a 46 gruelling games uh, throughout the year. It's an insane, and then that's only two spots are guaranteed to qualify through for some teams uh, from three down to six, have to go through the playoff system and play an extra two games uh, before making it to the, well, what would be is what is the richest game in football nowadays it's a enthralling competition um, there's always goals there's always excitement there's always drama I've particularly been invested in it in the last few years with my beloved Aston Villa sinking in, in, in and around that uh, six teams that continually try to qualify for promotion there's plenty of talking points in this particular season one in particular that we'll definitely get to come our chat about the championship we've also mentioned Football League 1 which is always a fascinating competition, especially considering it's now the league where you do often see more talent come out of nowhere to pick up a Premier League clubs. Absolutely. Uh, league One in particular, is each division now in England will grow and, and get stronger due to the fact that so much talent is in the Premier League now that a lot of the youth products who could really be fighting for Premier League football, first division football, obviously don't get the time in front of some of their, their European competitors 
they get to go down to the championship and, and flip to League One and they produce some brilliant football which makes the competition an even higher standard. We're then going to get do a tour of Europe. We're going to be talking Spain, France, Italy, Germany. If we've got some time, we'll talk Portugal. We'll talk the Champions League as well and the Europa League because they're going to go into elimination rounds when we come back. But two feature discussions. Uh, we've seen one league that's made a bit of a comeback, the Dutch Eredivisie, and two competitions that are collapsing in front of our very eyes, the Greek League and the Turkish Super League. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into the nitty-gritty with those two divisions in particular, the ones that are the collapsing in particular. The Dutch Eredivisie has been, you know, it's been beating around the edge for a while, but it's always produced talent. I don't know what it is about the nations, in the, sorry, the teams in Holland. Uh, every year there's talent coming out of those those teams. I don't know how they do it. They're an incredible youth system. Well, let's get started. Let's get straight into splinters. I'm going to start off with the one a lot of people are talking about at the moment. It's the Football League Championship. And the reason why they're talking about it at the moment is because Australia's number two team, Leeds United, are leading the competition. And dare we dream about the return of this Yorkshire team? Yes, and I think already we we should be the dream should start becoming reality from what I've seen from Marco Beasley's teams. They have been unbelievable in this season. They've been fantastic. They've lost just five games. They've won fifteen matches, drawn six. They're scoring goals. They've got the, one of the best defenses in the league. Four points clear of third place, which is the the cutoff point at the moment for automatic promotion. I expect them to come in to the Premier League next season and it will be fantastic for Australian fans in particular with them coming out to the country to face Manchester United in a, in a friendly match out here come the beginning of the midway next season. And then of course their special match against the Western Sydney Wanderers to christen the new Western Sydney Stadium. Exactly right. So I mean it's frustrating that that stadium is still a little bit far behind. Um, we'd obviously would have liked to see the Wanderers in that stadium this season. It doesn't really look like it's going to happen all that much but expect Leeds to be continued that continue knocking on the door and to continue you know and continually winning going forward they'll they've got the, they've had, they've done the hard part almost the, the, the first half of the season always tends to be the hardest part now you get the downward slide the, the cup games are over there's going to be most teams only really have the FA Cup left now I expect them again to continue their winning ways and, and really be in that, that Premier League top 20 come the beginning of next season a couple of players to watch out for from this and the next thing I'm going to mention which is Norwich City but um, Kimar Roof for Leeds United and then for Norwich City who are in second place at the moment Timu Puki uh, both amongst the goals at the moment and uh, both teams pretty good attack not the best attack in the competition we'll come to that in a moment but the, the Canaries they're, they're thereabouts uh, once again and uh, I think with Norwich City I think that, I think they're displaying very similar traits to Leeds United they're not blowing teams away but they're just consistently doing enough just to win matches both these sides what they have at the moment is they have a winning edge they have that edge they have that ability to win especially Leeds United two weeks in a row they beat my beloved Aston Villa 3-2 when they were down 2-0 and then they beat our good friend Keith Dupolsky the Lord Mayor beloved Blackburn they were down again by two goals and then conceded two in the last minute to go to win to lose 3-2 again so they just have this ability to find ways to win which is unteachable really yeah. at the end of the day that killer instinct and that's what they have at the moment this lead side under Beasler they've been doing magnificently Norwich as well to, their, to a lesser extent they've been fantastic this season they've been pottering along they're you know you talk about these two sides but and you know they're ahead at the moment but they're not ahead by a lot of points there's four it's a real bot- bottleneck all the way and, the, and normally you have one team that just absolutely run, run away well yeah last season obviously we had Wolves and they dominated and they really were untouchable this season obviously Leeds are the front runners but you know it, it's a really tight competition and they a, re- a few weeks ago they were down in those in those playoff positions now they're back up again after back to back wins but still one or two 
losses and we'll see them sink down into that playoff, those playoff places. Well, let's go to the promotional playoff at the moment because that's currently held up by Sheffield United, West Bromwich Albion, Middlesbrough and Derby County. But the team that everyone is saying keep an eye out for because they are exceptionally dangerous at the moment is West Bromwich Albion, especially considering that they retain their Premier League strike line of Dwight Gale and Jay Rodriguez. Yeah, they've been fantastic um, this, this season again in West Brom. They were pretty, you know, after getting relegated last season, they haven't really fallen too far. They've been pretty strong. You know, West Brom, they've got a good financial backing. They actually had a good financial backing that season that they did get relegated. And obviously those those owners are stuck around. They've invested in retaining that squad that they had with when they got relegated. And it's the intention of coming straight back up. Intention of coming straight back up. But for me, the mind, the moment you're looking at two sides that you really want for the for the real purists, you'd love a Sheffield United to come back up. Yeah. Wouldn't you? They were, they were so close a few seasons back. They've been in and around there for the last few seasons, but now they're really there. That'll yeah. be exciting times for them. The other one that's sort of fascinating to see is Middlesbrough. I mean, they don't have, they have far away from the best attack in the competition. In fact, probably one of the worst attacks in the competition, but their defence has been astonishing. 18 goals conceded from 26 matches. Yeah, Middlesbrough were unlucky last season, actually. It was due, they were knocked out in the playoff to Aston Villa, thanks to Emile Yedanakeda in the home leg for Villa, um, which saw, which was enough to send the Midlands side to the the playoff final at Wembley in the richest game in football. Again, though, they're showing some really good signs. Yes, they're struggling in front of goals, but again, you know, if you can keep goals out, it's just as just as effective sometimes. They're pottering along. You expect them to be in that playoff position. Can they break into that Premier League, that sort of Premier League or again, I'm not too sure. They've been really strong, but they just almost need that critical player, that, that number 10 who can really make something, a striker, a number nine who can really take them to the next step, which they don't have at the moment, but luckily they've got one of the best defences in the in the league at the moment, the best defence in the league right now, which is keeping them in those players' positions. Well, let's go to the other end, unfortunately, and um, well, it's less less to said about if Switch Town the better they are, virtually gone. Reading um, are virtually gone, and then the race is on for that last to avoid that last relegation position. Looking between Bolton Wanderers, Rotherham United, and Wigan Athletic. Yeah, look, there's plenty of matches. There's plenty of matches left in this season for any team to fall. Um, you know, I, I still think the sides like Brentford and Preston North End, who are up in 17th and 18th place on 28 points, have a chance to fall. You know, but it's effectively it's all. Is it one position or do you think it's two? That's up for grabs because I think we can all agree. I think Reading, Ipswich are gone. They're, 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 there's no return for them. I don't see them coming back. Can I say Bolton could survive? An old fan of Bolton Wanderers back in the days when JJ Kotcher was playing and they were thriving in the Premier League under Big Sam. Those days are gone for them. Reading again, another side that was in the Premier League not too long ago, struggling now in the Championship. Can I see Reading getting out of there? Unlikely. Bolton, a slight chance, but it's it's a real bottleneck as I said before. Let's go to the Football League 1 and it's a familiar face at the top of Football League 1. It's Portsmouth leading from the real surprise package in the English football at the moment, Luton Town. Well, funnily enough, as you say, there's a Bedfordshire boy, not born, but at least bred for sure over there in the county of Bedfordshire. Luton Town, it's good to see them. I think this will be probably the first time they've ever been in the Championship coming all the way up. Portsmouth, again, it's great to see them doing well again, you know, trying to get back into the top tier of football. And they were in the Premier League for many, many years. Especially their days under Harry Redknapp. Exactly right. And they were, you know, fallen in recent times because they had the, the trouble and they went bankrupt and they couldn't pay players. But it's good to see them on the way back up again. Luton Town, fantastic to see them up there, obviously, from a personal perspective. But uh, it's one of those teams, though, a, a famous team that we haven't seen and who have really fallen, who haven't seen in the Premier League for quite some seasons now, which is 
Sunderland, the other tier in Wearside, sitting in third, two games to play, or two games in hand, I should say. Good goal difference. They'll be there. They'll be yeah. there in, a, in and around that playoff position once again. And, and if you get a chance, go watch the um, the, the new Netflix um, edition. This is, um, I think it's This is Sunderland. This is Sunderland, and it's yeah. a fantastic documentary. It's really good to watch. I've been doing a lot of those documentaries on Netflix lately. They've done one with Manchester City. They've done one with Barcelona. Now they've done one with, and now they've done, you know, a side of lesser extent, something that's, you know, a bit more football pure in that in that way. Yeah. And they've gone down to Sunderland. It's just really great to see the lives and how important that team is and how important football is in that community. Two names to watch out for in the competition so far, Luton Town, their strike power, uh, both doing really well, both inside the top 10, James Collins and Elliot Lee. And uh, word is already a couple of Premier League clubs are sniffing around there uh, if Luton Town don't get promoted. Yeah, look, they've been uh, they've been fantastic this season for Luton, that those two guys, you know, they're all Premier League clubs sniffing around, possibly, and they can loan, probably loan them back. It's just one of those commodity things nowadays, the way football's run. Um, you'd like to see them perform in the championship before you start giving them that yeah. kind of that, that kind of label before the Premier League clubs really come sniffing. But it's great to see, like I said, from a personal standpoint, Luton down up there, their automatic promotion position. Um, it'd be great to see them in the championship. We'd definitely get down a few games of them ever over in the country, um, back in the motherland. But as I said, great to see them up there. But it's great, also again, great to see teams like Sunderland and Portsmouth working their way back up to the top. Meanwhile, in the relegation zone, a couple of um, expected uh, names then, Scunthorpe United, Oxford United, Plymouth Argyle. Um, one of them is a little bit of a, a fairy tale story in terms of their, reco- their return back, but uh, you're quite happy to see them get relegated, and that's AFC Wimbledon. Yes, uh, MK Dom's boy. We've got two in England like, years ago. The Luton, really, it's been a, it's a new thing that football's really been driven in, in this in this era. You know, where I grew up, it's quite a rugby, rugby-centric as well. It's, you know, lots, it's obviously football dominates as well but a lot of different people play rugby and you know MK Dons were really the only local team that had any kind of success but now Luton's come through but obviously if people don't know their football history all that well they AFC Wimbledon and MK Dons were pretty much the same team and they split in half and obviously they went off on their own MK and they've done reasonably okay and AFC Wimbledon have done okay and they always fight so yeah for me personally obviously AFC Wimbledon and the arch rivals of the MK Dons it's good to see them sort of floundering down in 24th place in League 1 but that being said at least they are in League one because I'm pretty sure MK is still in League Two. So they are. I'm going to put it in the back again. Again, so let's let's show we go across around Europe now. Let's so. do some European football. So let's start off. We're going to go to the Spanish league. Uh, no surprise, Barcelona leading the competition. Um, a little bit of a surprise that they headed the Atletico Madrid. At Madrid, the first big surprise, Real Madrid. No Zidane coaching them. No Cristiano Ronaldo. A lineup that's starting to age a bit, and they're sitting in fourth place. Yeah, they really haven't been the side that we expect them to be they're still playing pretty decently in the Champions League they obviously went through in their top of their group but they had two losses to uh, Moscow who ended up finishing in fourth place in the end or a draw and a loss I should say and we'll get to that obviously a bit later but yeah, they've really struggled um, you know they haven't been able obviously they brought in Lopetegui to often and he obviously got sacked by the Spanish, the Spanish national side uh, during the World Cup he lasted four games and he got and he got the chop and brought in the caretaker manager he isn't really been able to do much with this side people say it's about managing egos but those egos aren't really in that squad anymore Ronaldo was really I think fed that that ego I think like so Karim Benzema and Sergio Ramos obviously have that but 
two players where their positions aren't really threatened all that much but they really have struggled and as you mentioned it is ageing now I think Gareth Bale is, is reasonably young but the likes of that midfield in particular Luka Modric and Tony Cruz you know Luka Modric is and both fantastic players but you know they are getting on a bit at the yeah. end of the day they don't have the they don't have the, the legs like they used to and you can see that and that's what happened to Barcelona in particular they've obviously retained they've obviously done well bringing new guys but the likes of Iniesta and Xavi eventually their legs start to get to them they're not as, they're not as strong and yeah. that's what you're seeing at Real Madrid so the other surprise to come out of La Liga at the moment is a couple of the uh, the bigger name clubs more famous name clubs down the bottom in uh, Villarreal and Athletic Bilbao yeah it's really interesting to see uh, especially in particular Athletic Bilbao down the bottom of this of the La Liga they were a powerhouse years ago an absolute powerhouse years ago they were, especially in, in, the, in the Europa League era and they were constantly up there they won a couple of titles in particular plenty of fantastic players going through the, through their system and it's, it's disappointing to see them so low down because they really did produce some fantastic talents through the Bilbao system but again they have really struggled and, and haven't really potentially evolved with the with, with the Liga and Rouse you know as I said before floundering down in the relegation zone So who are the players who have been performing in La Liga at the moment? Well you don't want to look no further than the man himself Lino Messi, he's been fantastic. Uh, you know, and now in particular that there's no Cristiano Ronaldo around to compete with him, he really gets all applauded. So every time his his teammate Luis Suarez is also on fire again, top in the top three goal scorers. Um, that's one player in particular who's done really well um, outside of Barcelona is uh, Cristiano Stuani, uh, former I believe Middlesbrough strike uh, number ten yeah. um, back when they were in the Premier League. Um, he scored over half of the goals for the Gironas for Girona, and he's been in fantastic form in the the league and I expect them to do even better come the second half of the season they're one of the surprise packets of the year in that top half of the table and then of course the likes of Antoine Griezmann right up there with some of the best taking Atletico to second spot only three points behind Barcelona we have to remind ourselves of that yeah. Barcelona are nowhere where you think they'd be that far ahead Atletico have done really well to keep with them and then Pablo Sarabia from Sevilla he's been doing fantastic for them as well they're in third place they're again another side that have done I think almost made turning this what La Liga into what could be this season a real battle of, of four teams yeah the what's been fascinating with La Liga as well is been uh, Atletico Madrid you know they, they went to a churn phase where they went through strikers in particular and we only need to remember the couple of years obviously with Diego Costa in particular and Angel Di Maria when he, they were up front they had a couple of years where they struggled and then all of a sudden they turned around a couple of years ago people may not remember this but their prodigal son returned back in Fernando Torres and all of a sudden that spirit at, at the Atletico side of Madrid was reignited with their um, returning hero. Yeah, Diego Simeone, the coach there, obviously fam- famous and former Argentinian midfielder, has done a fantastic job with this side for many years. He's had two Champions League finals um, where they obviously but they lost to Costa and rivals Madrid. You know, he's done fantastic to keep this squad together, in particular the likes of Griezmann. Obviously, he lost Costa and they brought Costa, then he brought Diego Costa back. When he went down, went over to Chelsea, and he obviously had great success there. They've got a fantastic team, guys like Carusco, Belgian international, um, guys like Koke and Saul who are now really become Spain's new midfield now that Xavi and Iniesta have moved on they're a really strong side Diego Godin at the back in particular is a real rock for them and they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now Jan Black, who has been again a revolution for them it's been really really fantastic to see that they've, that core group of players have really kept together I know as you mentioned
and Fernando Torres coming back for a, for a number for a couple of seasons was fantastic for them. It did really sort of revitalise that spirit when you thought perhaps they may lose it after potentially losing a couple of key players and obviously missing out in those Champions League finals. We then go to Liga in France and well, I mean, to put the glasses down, it's it's all over. As far as, is that what you think? Yeah, look, I think in it's, it's a difficult to talk about Liga one because Paris Saint Germain's team they lead by thirteen points. Their team is about one hundred and thirty million dollars more than any other team, not just in France but pretty much in the entire world. And they're just unstoppable. Though. I mean, obviously they lost recently in the league in the in their in the, in the league cup to uh, bottom place <laughs> to the bottom place side in uh, and Gun Cap <laughs> in a one 0 loss there. But again, they're just they're just too strong, and it's disappointing because there's a lot of other sides that have been doing very well in the likes of Lille and Lyon and Montpellier once again up there in St. Etienne. Those sides, if you look at them, that's a real bottleneck after you get past Paris Saint-Germain. So it's a real shame But for many years now, and it's, it, I hate to bring politics into sport, but under a socialist government in France, it's really difficult for the sort of capitalist organisations like football clubs that thrive off obviously big money, in particular now that they get taxed an extreme amount. Besides, think what the top Tax bracket now, 65%. Yeah, something like that. It might have changed back now. These sides have never really been able to compete with that, but because Paris Saint-Germain is pretty much owned by a country, they pretty much will never, ever be be bored by that and they'll and eventually just run away with this competition for years to come. We talk about the, we talk about the, um, we talk about this, um, this attack from, from, from Paris Saint-Germain. It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Kylian Mbappe, uh, Neymar, Edison Cavani, uh, you've also got Angle Di Maria and Moussa Diaby. Uh, in the goal assists, they share 16 assists between them. Yeah, you may as well just hand the trophy to them right now. Well, absolutely. And then you look at the guys behind them. You've got the guys like Marco Berardi behind them. And then in defence, you've got like Thiago Silva, Marquinhos. And in goals now, they've got Gianluigi de Buffon. They're, they're a class side. You expect them to be, again, one of the side favours of the Champions League. Um, and they're, again, in France, never, they're never going to be beaten. You look at it, they haven't lost a game yet this season. No. They've only drawn two. And they've only conceded 10 goals. Yeah, exactly right. They're just... So just don't play against them anymore and it's difficult when they've got such quality and they, 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 they don't even play a particularly nice brand of football this Paris Saint-Germain side it's just they're lightning first and it's just the football that they play is played at such an extreme speed that so I just can't keep up now the big the big surprise down at the bottom at the moment is AS Monaco yeah and interesting Monaco's sort of rise and fall in football over the years has been interesting obviously a Champions League winner a number of years ago or oh, sorry at least, at least they run up back in those days and now this is obviously they came back won the title when when they sort of when that socialist government came in in France and they bought, introduced that tax they actually were a side that weren't really affected by it because they obviously weren't affected by the laws because they were as everyone knows Monaco is its own government state and obviously they could bring in they bought in all these great players but I think through pretty much poor business management they pretty much went normal well, bankrupt but they lost a lot of money yeah. and had to sell a lot of the talent that they had lies like Ramadal Falcao and and now you look at other guys who were at City like Bernardo Silva they've lost Thomas Lamar to Atletico Madrid they lost they just Jamatinho to Wolves this year they've lost a lot of quality over the number of years and it's it's really really taken from them obviously Thierry Henry has come in to try and somehow save it an odd choice for mine a a, a player who was 
arguably one of the best strikers of his generation with absolutely zero managerial ability to come and save a side that lacks a lot of talent. And you mentioned Falcao, he's still there. They've got Nasser Shadley, uh, of course, played quite well in England with Tottenham and then with West Bromwich Albion. Adama Traore. What's he gone back to Monaco now? No, he's back at Monaco now. Either way, yeah, it's not a bad side. It just hasn't really performed. And they've lost a lot of, like I said, Fabinho, who's at Liverpool now, he was another Monaco player. They got rinsed. They got absolutely rinsed by the bigger clubs and players just just left. It was amazing that they held on for some of them for so long. But again, you'd expect, it's disappointing to see them so low down. Well, we've reached the halftime whistle here on Splinters. You can hear the referee's whistle just going off at the moment as we head into the sheds. And we'll be right back with the second half very shortly. This is Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Welcome back to the ninth episode of Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. It's the godfather, Anthony Caruso, and uh, my brother in Azori, Dom Rizzuto, back back with us for uh, the second half, really. Yeah, second half for the next 45 minutes. It won't be 45 minutes to the listeners out there. We won't bore you for that long, but uh, definitely the second half of our European wrap-up. We've got plenty to get through still. Let's get started. Well, let's go to our, let's go to our league. Let's go to our league. Your league at the moment and has been for your league for the last 10 years, isn't it, Caruso? Yes, of course, we are talking about the Serie A, and um, it's, it is like in Liga at the moment, the Serie A is just th- is a threat to run away. Juventus are on 53 points, they're nine points clear after 19 matches over Napoli. Um, of course, the talk at the start of the season was the purchase of Cristiano Ronaldo. And uh, he is he's not paying back not only in money with jersey sales, which you point out, but also goals. Yeah, what a an astute piece of business by the uh, by Juventus that Ronaldo has come in and been been a saint. He's saved them on many occasions. He brings in a wealth of uh, of marketing to the club as well. Not that they needed any more Juventus anyway, the richest club in the country. They've been in fantastic form. They haven't lost a game yet. They've drawn twice. They're nine points clear at the top of the Serie A. It's difficult to say because before Ronaldo came in, the Serie A was actually last year suffered its uh, tightest performance, uh, sort of tightest sort of lead when it came through. And now it's been, you know, been absolutely blasted by Juventus this season. But sides like Napoli, Internazionale, Lazio, Milan, Roma, they just can't keep up. And it's to do with the depth and do just a little bit with sort of the other sides in the competition. And I remember Gianluigi Buffon said it years ago that sides in the Serie A tend to, especially the ones that are in the sort of mid-table to relegation zone, they tend to just bow down when Juventus comes to town or when they travel. They tend just not to show up. There's that aura about them over the last 10 years that clubs have just not been able to really challenge them. I'm, I know I'm probably blowing one's trumpet here, but Roma have probably been only the one side the last two years and have really tried to take it to them. Even sides like Napoli and, and Inter Milan, they just they go to bed. They don't try, they don't bother turning up against them. They tend to just let Juventus run away with it during their matches. But it's even like I said to a, to a bigger extent, it's those sides that you look further down, like Atalanta, Torino, and Fiorentino in that mid table uh, battle at the moment. They tend whenever they face Juventus, they don't really tend to turn up. But when they face sides like Napoli and Roma and, and Milan yeah. and both Milan's, they, they they turn up. It's almost like they don't. They're not scared to, to play football, and that's why you see. 
Avengers in particular running away with the competition. That being said, it's been it's been a very interesting season further down again below Juventus with the sides below them fighting for that Champions League position. Well, let's go through a couple of the big players there. Obviously, we've mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo and the partnership he got with Mario Mandzukic, but a couple of other names there which have come back this year. Uh, Ciro Mobile, who's having a great year at Lazio. Uh, Fabio Cagliarella, um, who's up there amongst the goals. And Cagliarella, it's just been announced, he's going to have a new teammate with uh, Sampdoria announcing that they've signed Manolo Gabbiadini online from Southampton. Yeah, big signing for, for Sampdoria. They've been, again, really strong the last couple of seasons. Fabio Cagliarella, I don't know how he's still how he's still kicking at the age of 35 or whatever it is now. He's been around for a very long time. But again, scoring goals, and that's what you, that's what you need to do if you want to you know, be a professional football player especially in the position that he plays up front Sampdoria doing very well Gamiandini will again add will only add to that coming from your Southampton God, but again you look further down like you said Ciro and Mobley has been fantastic again for Lazio as much as it pains me to say it as a beloved Roma supporter but a big surprise package for, for us has been the Polish striker which is Christoph Piatek who has scored 13 goals for Genoa this season that's 13 of their 25 I should I should point out and they've been you know they're not obviously doing particularly well uh, you know, in terms of their position on the table, but his goals have really helped them sort of secure position another year in this area uh, going forward. Now, the other talking point has been what's been going on in the relegation zone. Now, it's no surprise that Bologna and Frosinone are staring down the barrel of relegation, but it's Kiev or Verona, but the flying donkeys are in there, but they are in all sorts of trouble, not only in terms of their performance on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Yeah, another one of those sides that are really starting to market in terms of you know Italian sides that are just starting to lose money um, not too many of the Italian sides now are really owned by Italian families anymore Italian with, business with the exception of Juventus yeah well you know, they're owned by the, the kings and queens of, of Turin so it doesn't really matter all that much for them <laughs> well I don't know if the Agnelli family were around the kings and queens of Turin but uh, yeah, when, <laughs> you, own, when you own Fiat yeah. yes, yes you pretty much are <laughs> but um, yeah and Galicide they're struggling financially again you know they're I don't see them doing they'll be going back down to Serie B uh, Frizzone again they're struggling their side would have been in and out of the Serie A and Serie B for a number of years now Bologna actually you know it was good to see them back in the Serie A this year they haven't been too crash hot uh, since coming back but you know they're not totally done yet they're still battling through the likes of Spal and Empoli are still not safe yet that'll be a, a sort of three way battle I would think between those sides for that final relegation spot so ladies and gentlemen just keep your eyes out for what happened with Kiev of Verona so they were um, the big news of course were then they were found guilty recently of creating a false profit to the tune of 25 million euros uh, through a player trade with Cecina they got fined uh, 200,000 euros they had a three point deduction however if they get relegated they will then of course under the rules of uh, the Italian league if they get relegated they'll start Serie B and they'll carry that minus three point deduction into next year as well so uh, they could be in all sorts of trouble next year yeah they've been not particularly in the best position if you're a Kievo fan but unfortunately that's the way sometimes football works especially when you've got dodgy dealings yeah that's the way it works let's go to the Primera Liga in Portugal very quickly um, like Spain it's a genuine four horse race at the moment Porto, Braga Benfica and Sporting CP um, once again sort of the usual suspects at the top but um only five points separates them. Yeah, it's been a fantastic. It's fantastic to see this in this year in particular. Porto and 
and Benfica have sort of had a duopoly on the league for a number of years but it's good to see the likes of Bet Braga and Sporting Lisbon coming through and really challenging those two sides obviously the big news coming out of Portugal in the next, in the next over the last few weeks is that Porto is desperate to bring back Jose Mourinho on their books where he first started and really made, made a name for himself when he won the Champions League with a, that'll be massive in terms of uh, marketing in particular for the for that club and one of the names is performing very well at the moment is in the he, uh, he's in the goals at the moment but Nani yeah Nani obviously former Manchester United uh, striker had a fantastic season back in I think it was 20 yeah 12 2013 now when he was really firing for them um, under say Alex Ferguson back before he sort of uh, you know put up you know hung the shoes and you know put up his jacket up and he retired away but again he's been you know he's obviously a little older now but playing in Portugal where the, you know the, the competition isn't as strong he's been firing and then you know and again he's put excuse me <coughs> he's put Porto in a, excuse me in a sporting Lisbon I should say sorry in a really good position let's go to the Bundesliga and uh, normally when you go to the Bundesliga you expect to see Bayern Munich running away with the competition not this year no it's been uh, Richard Dortmund that have run away this run away with it this year only losing one match they suddenly six points clear of Bayern Munich they've been fantastic this season they've been really firing again they've producing talent out of nowhere the likes of in particular the big thing this year has been Jaden Sancho the young England winger who has come obviously came came over from Manchester City has pretty much he pushed Christian Pulisic out of a position out of his position in this Borussia Dortmund side the American wonder, wonder kid uh, who's now obviously been signed by Chelsea um, but been loaned back to the to the, the German league leaders um, they're in fine for at the moment guys like Paco Alsalsa has had has been a, a revelation as a super sub for them um, of course Marco Royce has, has been as dominant as he always is but you know what's going to happen now if Borussia Dortmund are leading the competition dominating such a manner you know it's going to you know it's going to come knocking on the door yeah. that'll be buying me well it's interesting you bring that up this year because I think what's different about the side this year in particular for Borussia Dortmund is it, we're going to see an interesting thing because Bayern in particular are about to go through a total revamp of their side Lewandowski will still remain striker but for, not for too many more years they're going to lose Iron Robin they're going to probably lose Frank Ribery those two players in particular were the heart and soul of that team Manuel Neuer as well well Manuel Neuer in, partic- in particular has not recovered to his best since he's come back from his injury he isn't at that he doesn't have that sort of godlike aura about him anymore or he hasn't sort of acquired it back after his injury um, but again you know they look at their midfield it's got the likes of Robin and Ribery who have been on their last legs for a couple of years now they've got like young guys like Renato Sanchez in there who I don't think as good as what people believe or from what I've seen especially when his time at Swansea he he was quite poor Um, they they lack a little bit of depth as well in their squad they did just sign uh, Benoit uh, I'm sorry Pavard sorry um, in a massive fee from PSG Um, he'll obviously give them a bit of growth down that right hand side but yeah different back to you know Bayern Munich knocking on the door of Borussia Dortmund this year and unlike other years for Dortmund their team is more based on just like everyone being on the same level and everyone playing as a team and they've always sort of been like that but years gone by they had the likes of Mario Götze who's back there now Robert Lewandowski Marco Royce um, Matt Hummels those guys were kind of like the fab four of the team and then everyone sort of looked around now they've just got quality all over the park so I don't know really where Bayern really attacks because there's no apart from Jaden Sancho there's no real superstars 
who will who will who, you know, who will be the world's next best apart from apart from I think Jaden Sancho personally. So who do I take? So that's my big thing from them. I think this side for British Dortmund, if it, they they could probably keep it together, and if they especially if they win now, they, you know obviously this agreement they've had with Bayern Munich, where Bayern Munich saved them from pretty much extinction years ago, and that was a long time ago now. Yeah. They're starting to get to a point where they're like, we don't need your help anymore, and that agreement is starting to start to wear. Oh, I would have thought that they would have extracted enough blood from taking Lewandowski um, those years ago. Well, so. they've, taken, they've taken a lot from Dortmund, but at the end of the day, they uh, they saved their life at the end of the yeah. day, so they can take what they like. So let's get let's get to our feature discussion. The first one is going to be the returning quality of the Edit Divisio. Now, in terms of the competition itself as it stands, it's a two-horse race at the moment between PSV, Eidenhoven, and Ajax. But for years, the Edit Divisio has developed, had developed a reputation as a selling competition, especially with the strength of the academy at Eidenhoven, Ajax, Feyenoord, and to a lesser extent, um, AZ and uh, Willem too. But these days now, the quality is just slowly starting to come back, especially after they went through a lot of financial strife, resulting in the national side really going so much through the doldrums that they even failed to qualify for the World Cup. They did fail to qualify for the World Cup in 2018, but they have this year in the newly revamped, uh, well, I shouldn't say newly revamped, the newly introduced UEFA Nations League, um, went through in their time group which consisted of Germany and another team who escapes me but it was a really strong team they went through in that group as top to go through to that qualification stage of who gets to qualify automatically into the into the Euros of 2020 but to the Eredivisie excuse me it's a very difficult word to pronounce that one it's been fantastic to see them back at the top Ajax have done really well in the Champions League they're through to the round of 16 they'll play Real Madrid PSV Eindhoven at the top those two in particular that's a very strong that's been a rivalry for many years yeah. in Dutch League and they've been very strong but it looks like it's really good to see the likes of final back and uh, an Utrecht where some of my family is from it's good to see them back up there some real sort of like old Dutch sides back to their back to their best and it's produced and again as I've mentioned at the top of the show I don't know what it is about the Dutch but they just produce or snatch or find the best new players in the world well, one of the things I've noticed now this year is the fact that you've got the Dutch managers all sort of coming home to roost because of course there were a number of years where the Dutch managers were all the vogue especially when teams started to take a variation on total football exactly right. Dick Advocat is back Yup Starm's back Va- Mark Van Bommel is now coaching back in the Netherlands and you've got the likes of Dennis Bergkamp and John Van Schip who are now at work doing working their magic in the Eredivisie um, the competition uh, in terms of coaching quality it's starting to return and I think I'm actually quite excited about the likes of Van Bommel and Van Schip really applying their trade especially considering how much quality they had as players and as coaches yeah exactly right and it's it, you, you mentioned that, that that sort of like people coming those players and those managers coming home to roost it really has done wonders for the leagues. Van Persie kind of started it um, when he came back from Manchester United to play for PSV. I think it was PSV. Excuse me, it might have been fine. I can't quite remember. Now. He's done a fantastic job, and obviously these players have been back in guys like Jasper Kudela, who played in Germany for a very long time and has obviously come back. Um, you got to do some talent who's Southampton's best for a number of seasons. He's gone back. He's played Ajax now. He's thriving. Luke de Jong, he's been fantastic as well for Ajax, especially in the Champions League. These players who have gone and travelled well and have come back have really lifted the quality again of this of this league, and, it, and you see it 
on the field. Could we see a repeat of that famous Ajax team of the 90s? You remember that youth academy team when they produced the likes of, I think it was Van, Van der Sar, they had Rijkaard who came home, uh, Patrick Kuyvert, um, you know, this. I don't think we'll ever see, I don't think we'll ever see that team of the, of the 90s. That team was uh, was something else. One of the, one of the best you'll see. One of the, one of the most, what's the most, most retro teams? Van Basten as well. Van yeah. One of the yeah. most retro teams, I think, in, in general, the Ajax 19. So. Now, we talk about one of the leagues doing amazingly in terms of their recovery. Let's talk about two of the leagues at the moment that have just absolutely fallen into a heat now. The first one we've got is uh, the Super League in Greece, and this story has pretty much got money written all over it. Yeah, look, the, the Super League in Greece, again, it's, it, not much has really changed with the results on the field. You still see the likes of, uh, of Pak, Olympiakos, and Aiki Athens, Panathinaikos up there dominating the league. But again, they, they haven't done much in terms of competing at a top level against other European leagues. Um you know, and that's been like that for a number of years now. And it's, it, that's again an example of the, the the state of the nation in terms of its financial position and its political position. The Turkish league is a, is a different one. I think I don't know what to really blame uh, with the Turkish league. It's interesting to see you look at signs that are usually up there but aren't there anymore at all. You took like Galatasaray, Besiktas, Govansor, Fenerbahce. Uh, and Abashe is up there at the moment. You've got things like Istanbul, uh, Basakia, and Trabzonspor. Sport. Those sides have really been that strong for a number of years, but they've really come through now. There's been a real shake up there in the Turkish league, but I'm not too free where I can finger on where the fall has gone. Let's focus on Greece for a little bit there, because of course it's the, the, final, obviously it's the financial stress there. And the, the, the most infamous story that we can say that everyone on Australia can really relate to was the tribulations of one current bullet. Yes. who uh, got picked up from the Wanderers to go play uh, for Iraklis um, in the Greek Super League. They're talking about him after the brilliant couple of years he had with the Wanderers. They're talking about him lining up to play for the Socceroos at that stage. He'd just been through the, the system with the young Socceroos and the Joeys and he lasted five months before returning home and the reason why he left he had not been paid once. Yeah, pretty much sums up the, the position in which that league is in at the moment. It was, yeah, really poor. Really poor and it's, you know, it's for and it's almost ruined his career uh, for, for Karim Bullet. He obviously, as you said, he had a fantastic couple of seasons with the Wanderers and then obviously went over there, took his opportunity to play in Europe and potentially used that as a you know a stepping stone to be picked up by one of the bigger clubs in, in the in European the European competitions. It obviously didn't happen and wasn't getting paid, which doesn't make things easy. And you can't, you can't exactly pay them in the commodities that you've got in Greece there unless you feel like no. um, living living your life to the force now and exactly not having anything right. to show for afterwards. Exactly right. And I don't need to go into that. No, exactly right. Uh, yeah, again, it's difficult to, to see them, see these sides struggling. But, you know, the, the, not much has changed in terms of the positionings of the teams. Like I said before, Olympiakos and Park and Panathinaikos are up there still. But, yeah, they they still don't have that presence. In Turkey, um, it's not so much of a problem with Greece. It is at a present. But in Turkey, it has been crowd violence. Uh, in particular, the real issue lately has been sectarian violence, especially as the region continues to grapple with local social issues. Two issues come to mind with this. The first one has been uh, dealing with the Islamic fundamentalism that uh, has gone through um, areas of Turkey. Um, now, we've seen, obviously, that a lot of people from who are considered to lose Islamic fundamentalists 
they hate football. They absolutely hate it. Um, but then also it's the push of the local Kurds to form their own nation on the other side of, uh, of Turkey. The Kurds themselves, they love their football, but the Turkish don't want to give them space for them to form their own country. And what's this is resulting in some, in some really bad crowd violence. We've always known the Turkish League to be quite vocal and quite animated with mm. their crowds, but it's now recently just gone to the next level. One of the best games, places to watch football is in a, in a stadium in Turkey. The atmosphere, in, from what I've seen, is is simply breathtaking. It, the noise that is developed, the passion. Almost the bloodlust. The bloodlust, yeah, in, in a way, that's the word I was looking for, it is, is unreal. It's pretty much, I don't think there's a nation or a league in the world that matches it really. Um, and, it, and it's just incredible to see, but unfortunately, you get those few that just ruin it for everyone. And that's what, and again, that's what you're seeing. You see, you see games play behind closed doors, and that's, you know, again, that's financially very crippling for any premiership side if you're not getting players through, getting tickets through the door, and it's happening on too many occasions in places in Turkey. In Turkey. And, and what does that do? I mean, that has the effect where the big-name players who may be sort of starting to come towards the end of their career, they often found themselves in the Turkish Super League, get a bit of money, but they still get to play in a quality competition that has a chance of playing in the Champions League. And you only need to see some of the names who have gone there, the likes of, we mentioned him before, Van Persie, Harry Kuehl, Didier Drogba, uh, Befetimbi Gomez, um, even Emmanuel Adebayor. Yes, Emmanuel Adebayor. Another one to add to the name is Wesley Schneider. He was there only a few years in Robinho. Papas Dembasise, who was you know, oh, a big Papa's, player. He's still there, isn't he? Well, we have believe so. he's still there. And obviously Demba Barr as well, who've gone all gone over there to, you know, like you said, they, they get they get a decent bonus, but they still get to play in a Premier competition that's, and with some of these signs playing the Champions League. So, you know, it's in again, like you said, if they're not producing any money you can't bring in that star attraction and then the the, the lesser fans if you want to call them that aren't going to turn up to see people and players that they don't know well that's it that now, now that's affecting Greece in a way because their, their crowds have just absolutely gone through the floor where do you see these two competitions is there a chance that they can recover or do you think that there's a real risk that the competition could collapse I don't think the competitions will collapse ever say but they definitely will struggle in terms of competing with the very best in Europe it'd be very difficult to see a soft two league collapse because I think at the end of the day what football does it will always produce passion and with passion comes supporting supportership and that's what you what you really need to keep a league alive and a team alive at the end of the day and if it has to drop down in quality and they have to see some of those you know not bringing some of those better players come through then perhaps that will you know obviously you know potentially might make the league a little bit more slower and disappointing but you know it gives them a chance to potentially breed some younger talent into, into these leagues and potentially Let's go to the European competitions. The UEFA Champions League to start off with enters into the round of 16. The first round of matches for this is going to be happening in February, and the lot the matchups have been drawn. So the eight matches that we've gotten will read the home team, the team that's going to be hosting the first leg for these ones. Schalke against Manchester City, Atletico Madrid against Juventus, Manchester United against PSG, Tottenham against Borussia Dortmund, Lyon against Barcelona. Roma against Porto, Ajax Amsterdam versus Real Madrid, and Liverpool versus Bayern Munich. Your thoughts for the for the matchups? Oh, look, matchups. I'll talk about the first one: Schalke versus Manchester City. Manchester City couldn't have asked for a, a better first opponent in these knockout stages with the quality that they have. Schalke 
was, I would say, somewhat fortunate to make it through their group in the end. Um, they didn't really... They showed a lot of heart, but they showed a lot of frailties. This Manchester City side should smash right far. I get to the next one. Atletico Madrid versus Juventus, arguably the match of the round between these between these two sides. They've had some pretty decent battles in recent times. Tough one to say. Atletico Madrid are playing really good at the moment. But so you're calling coin flip on that Coin flip, but Ronaldo in this Juventus side now. They're, they're another beast. Now we get down to the what now I would have said five weeks ago was a done match, but now I would say this is probably the match of the round, the two biggest and most expensive clubs in the world, Manchester United versus Paris Saint-Germain. Under Jose Mourinho, I think this was a dead rubber. Under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now, there's a different story with this Manchester United side. It'll be really interesting to see where the Red Devils are come February now that they've won three games on the trot. Down to the next game, Tottenham Hotspurs versus Borussia Dortmund. Great to see Tottenham finally sort of breaking their duck and getting back into the round of 16. Really tough opponent. First up, Borussia Dortmund, who stumped them in the group stages last season when they were in the, in the groups together. And you're tipping that's going to happen again. I think so. I think Tottenham, with the position they are in the league right now, where Borussia Dortmund are, and the commitment to this and how many fixtures they've had. I think Richard Dortmund will be more well-rested and a side that has more experience in this competition. Next game, Leon vs Barcelona. Not much to say about this one. Barcelona should wipe the floor. Is that, is that a TFC? Yes, that's a TFC. Now, Roma vs Porto, really interesting game between these two sides. Arguably, the, for both sides, they were probably thinking, I'm glad we drew this team. So it'll make a, a really interesting opportunity for both sides. Obviously, I'll be picking Roma, there's no doubt about it. I'd love to see that semi-final run again like they did last season. However, tough first round match and I always think it's a disadvantage having to go first I always tend to think you want to play home in the second league sort of have that tailwind to pick yourself up but really again another coin flip between these two Ajax versus Real Madrid now here's a really really challenging fixture to pick because you would think on paper Real Madrid wipe the floor with them in this competition they are three times champions in a row back to back over the last few years I expect them to beat Ajax but look what Look to see Ajax really take it to them in this first league and then you get down to this one Liverpool versus Bayern Munich I think right now Liverpool are in absolutely fantastic form. I know they've lost two games. It's the first two games they've lost this entire season up against an ageing Bayern Munich side. I can't look past Liverpool right now in the form that they are. Jurgen Klopp is a master. He was the one that brought so much crippling frailty to this Bayern Munich side when he was at Borussia Dortmund. He knows how to beat them. It's much the same since he was coaching in Germany. I expect Liverpool to be too fast and too powerful to beat this Bayern Munich side. And my tip for the Champions League for this season, I'm really expecting an English winner. I really think the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool, the way those two sides have been playing, I really think they can cause a lot of danger. And uh, to finish off in the uh, in the Europa League, a couple of the matches around one one that really comes to mind that could be an absolute cracker. I think would be Celtic versus Valencia. Yeah, Celtic versus Valencia, a, a cracking match. Valencia boys. So Celtic have always kept themselves in the in the Europa League. They've done a fantastic job in staying in that. They've got through the group stages this year, but coming up against Valencia, who have been strong again. Of course, this is a round of 32, so it's still too much, too open at this stage before we know it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on episode nine of Splinters, and what a uh, what a time it's been talking about the Euro- the European game. Yes, there's too much to talk about. There. We could have gone for another another half an hour. There was so much to talk about, but we we got through as much as we could, and it's been a pleasure. There'll be no injury time this time. So. No, there isn't. There's no injury time on a strict schedule. There was no yellow cards. There's no red cards. There's no there was no stoppages for unnecessary reason. Caruso didn't fall over and do any diving. So. And Shane Evans didn't have a um, didn't get a cramp in his chair. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that note. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dom Rizzo, thank you very much for joining us. Great, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to the next one. Absolutely. That is our full-time here on Splinters. Make sure you join us on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. And on podcast.com. Mm-hmm.